wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome. You'll find many stories of people kicking the darkness, as well as our social media links at bleedingdaylight.net. Please share this and other episodes of Bleeding Daylight with others. How can we recognise and heal from past trauma? Today's guest will help you begin that journey. All of us deal with trauma of one kind or another throughout our lives, but some people seem to face constant and deep trauma from an early age. Danielle Burnock told her story of getting free from trauma and finding her value in her first book, Emerging with Wings. She's written a number of books since. She hosts the Victorious Souls podcast and spends her time connecting people to the love that heals. It's an honour to welcome her to Bleeding Daylight today. Danielle, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It is such an honour to be here. The things that happen to us and around us in our early years give us a real picture of the world and of ourselves. There were a number of things from your childhood that skewed your views dramatically. What were those early traumas that started to shape your thinking? There were very many, but the very first one is I have learned is called childhood emotional neglect. And what that is, a child has emotional needs. I grew up in a time when the emotional needs of a child was not a thing anyone really thought about. And my parents were sufferers of trauma themselves, but they were not aware of that because trauma has not come into people's understanding until the last few years, I think, the last decade or so. Emotional intelligence wasn't a word until I was all grown up. But what childhood emotional neglect is, is every child has emotional needs. Every child is different and they need different things. I was a sensitive child. I am a sensitive person. I'm very empathic. I felt very self-conscious of my sensitivity because I was belittled for it in many ways. But a child is emotionally neglected when they don't get those needs met enough. That's the word that Dr. Janice Webb uses in her book as she unveils that, what it looks like, how it happens, all the different ways. And it can happen in one big situation where a child goes through a huge thing and they just, they suffered emotionally and didn't get the love, support, or validation in that one time. Or it can be a consistent, ongoing kind of thing, which I had a little bit of both of those. And this is key because when a child is emotionally neglected, they do not have resilience, they don't have tools to be strong or resist or deal with other traumas that come along. And I didn't realize this until I was writing my book. Before I wrote my book and put myself in counseling and my wonderful counselor helped me to understand some things were trauma that I had no idea were trauma, I would have gone back to when I was six. I went through a humiliating experience with my first grade teacher who shamed me and humiliated me in front of the entire class after I disobeyed her in a way that a six-year-old had no concept of knowing. It was really quite silly when you think about it. She told the class to be quiet, which is very normal for a teacher, and I dropped my pencil. I asked a kid to pick up my pencil 
because it rolled under his chair while the teacher became irate. I had spoken, I had violated the rules, and so the punishment started with that, which ended in her putting tape over my mouth and making me read in front of everyone with the tape over my mouth. This left a very deep scar in me that I kept secret for a long time. But one of the things about trauma is it won't be denied. People dismiss trauma. They refuse to deal with trauma. They say they weren't traumatized. They say it wasn't that big of a deal. But the body keeps the score and it will come out sometime. If you refuse it, it won't refuse you. It will come back. But I had many other traumas after that that piled one upon another. In my book, Emerging with Wings, as I was writing it, I learned a great deal about myself. Writing is very cathartic, but it's also very self-learning. You learn a lot about yourself because as you write, things come out of you. are like, wow, I didn't know I thought that. <laughs> and so you learn. Plus, I had put myself in counseling and learned a great deal more about myself. But one of the things I learned, because the Holy Spirit helped me write the book, I'd never written a book before, had no idea how to write a book, but felt led to do that. And the Lord just opened my eyes to the layer upon layer upon layer of lies and traumas and neglect and the various different things that made such a big mess of my inner world. When I became an adult, I barely knew how to function. I went through numerous deaths in my life, family members that died. There were other humiliation things. But the largest trauma in there was what happened at church. I had two of the biggest traumas. There's many of them, but the two that impacted me in very specific ways rather than general ways, because trauma has side effects that affect everybody. That's how it presents itself. It's how you can recognize that you have trauma is by these things that you see in your life. One was regarding my name with a bully, and the other one happened at church. What happened at church was because of that childhood emotional neglect, I was very needy for love. I believed my family didn't love me. I believed I was unwanted. I had been a accidental pregnancy, which I was told later, but I didn't know that as a little kid, but I felt it. I felt it in my soul. And my parents were traumatized themselves, as I had said a little bit earlier, but they were unaware of that. But because of that, they had those side effects going on in their life as well. My dad was not emotionally available. He had not been taught how to be that way. As a child, I wanted to be daddy's little girl, and he didn't know how to do that. He did the best he knew how. My parents did not try to hurt me in any way, but they did because they were hurt and hurt people, hurt people. So we were people who went to church when I was younger, and there came a time because of something that happened at church that as a child, I had no idea what it was, but it was a church split kind of thing. They voted the pastor out because that pastor was bringing in the Holy Spirit to this denominational church. And they didn't like that. They didn't want all this Holy Spirit stuff, whatever he was doing, which I was oblivious to as a child. So my parents stopped going to church because they didn't like the new guy. And But I still liked going to church. I was still looking for some love, validation, people, a place to belong, a place where I was loved. And, you know, they said, Jesus loves you. And you sing that song, Jesus loves me, this I know. And so I went through all the things to be a part of that. I rode the bus when my parents didn't go anymore. 
And there was a Sunday where the pastor did an altar call. And I answered the altar call. And it's a really strange story. The, the fullness of it is in my book, Emerging with Wings. It would get kind of long to get into the whole story. But what happened is I answered the altar call and they did not lead me to Christ. That's not exactly what happened. But the cool thing is God was there. Even though the people dropped the ball, God was there. And he saw me there just like he saw Hagar. And even though it was bumpy there and I went through the whole thing of getting baptized and all the requirements that they did so I could become a member of this church, which was so important to me because I wanted to belong somewhere I didn't feel loved. I went through all their things and then comes the Sunday where I'm going to be made a member and I'm going to have this great thing that I have been waiting for for so long. I'm finally going to belong somewhere and I ride the bus to church and I'm all excited and they march all of us little kids up into the front row and we're all sitting on our chairs and the pastor who I adored and you know you're a little kid and the pastor he's he's like God to you in a way when you're a little kid. And I adored him because he he knew this God and I wanted to know God. And I love this song they sang at church. They have a, My favorite song is How Great Thou Art. It captivated me with the wonder and the awe. Yet there was a lot of legalism and everything in this church at the same time, which was squashing in one way, but that's what came to bear on this day when he called everyone up to the front one by one to accept them into membership. But they publicly rejected me from membership in front of the entire church. I was not welcomed into membership, which I learned later was because my parents weren't there. My parents were members. They stopped going to church. So if they made me a member, I was going to stop going to church too, which is very logical, but is still very foolish. (laughs) I was absolutely devastated. I disassociated. I didn't know that word back then. I disassociated and I believed in my heart because the Lord has showed me what happened in my soul that day because I was just broken to the core in my soul. The chapter in my book is called Bullseye because Bullseye is the highest achievement that you can get of anything. And that was the day that the enemy of our soul achieved the highest achievement of trauma in my soul where I believe that the almighty God and Jesus Christ, the one who's supposed to love me, threw me out and I was refuge and nobody wants me, not even God. Very hard things to deal with for a child of that age facing those traumas. And as you mentioned, there are people who dismiss this whole concept of trauma. They would say, well, just suck it up. You know, we've all been through things and they would dismiss that. So help us understand, how would you define trauma? Trauma is an invisible, involuntary wound on the inside of a human being. It is what is left behind after a person has gone through a trauma exposure or an experience where they were overwhelmed. They were overwhelmed in their soul, in their mind, and they were incapable of dealing with the situation that was taking place. There's many different ways that people have reactions to that. There's, you know, fight and flight and fawn and freeze and all the things about that. I've studied a great deal to understand this because all I knew as a child and as a teenager and as a young adult, all I knew was I was miserable. That's all I knew. I hurt so bad on the inside. The words that came out in my book where I was inwardly 
convulsing. That's like the negative kind of kicking. Like this podcast is called Bleeding Daylight. And I was bleeding pain. I went on a road trip, which I believe the Holy Spirit kind of instigated that. It's a a really funny story in my book. But it was through that road trip that the Lord arranged for someone to come with me after I've gone through many mishaps before that, that he, he apprehended me. It's like he had been pursuing me for years, but I was running so fast and so hard and convulsing so violently on the inside that I could not hear him. I could not see him. I was just in so much pain. But on this road trip, he found the way to apprehend me. And I bowed my knee to him again after I had been running away and told him I didn't believe in him anymore and tried to prove he didn't exist, but it didn't work because it's not true. I bowed my knee to him again, but because of all that legalism and all that trauma, I was terrified of God, even though I bowed my knee, but I knew Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the father, and there's no other name under heaven and earth. So I'm like, I got to bow my knee or I'm going to die. And if I bow my knee, I might die. But at least if I bow my knee and I die, I'm going to go to heaven, (laughs) (laughs) which is a pretty sad way for someone to come back to the Lord. It really reflects the trauma and the religious trauma and the erroneous theology I had been subjected to. But see, he's not like that. So over the course of many, many, many years, he worked on my heart and he worked on my soul and he worked at healing me little by little by little. And I had no idea how to heal. That's where I love the title of your podcast, you know, kicking against the darkness until it bleeds daylight. I kicked against the darkness. There's a quote in my book that says, I got to where I am today by refusing to stay where I was. I'm like, I am not staying miserable. I don't know how I'm going to stop it, but I'm going to stop it. I prayed and I cried and I read the Bible and I did all the things that I believe the Lord led me to, probably fell down a bunch of times too, because you know we're not perfect and couldn't always hear. And I had a lot of bad theology in there that he had to correct and adjust He brought me people I needed little by little by little by little. I didn't believe the love of God was unconditional and it was real. And it was for me, really, because of that deep rejection wound as a child. It took him 34 years of convincing until one morning in my quiet time, my mouth dropped open in awe as I got the revelation finally that he loves me. This is love. Not that love God or die. No, it's God loved me first. God loved me first. And Jesus bore my sin and he loves me when I'm good, when I'm bad. And Jesus is my perfection. He provided that for me. And once I crossed that line, after he fully convinced me, just like it says about Abraham was fully persuaded. On that day, I was fully persuaded that God loves me. I can't make him stop loving me. I'd heard that. I know the scriptures. I could recite them, but I didn't believe it in my heart, but I wanted to believe it, but I couldn't. And there was all these buts, but, but, but always waiting for the 
other shoe to drop because my belief system was God loves you when, and God loves you if, and God loves you when you act like this. And it's was about earning and it was about behavior and it was about trying to make God happy because you needed to please him because it was such oppressive, overbearing, harsh. God was mean. He was this big, mean God in the sky. And I had no choice but to bow my knee because he was God. I have learned the God who loves me. It's why I do what I do. I have labeled myself that lady on the internet who loves you. It started right before the pandemic. We live in a world that is starving for love. Love is our greatest need. We are made in the image and likeness of God, and God is love. The very fabric of our being is made out of love. That's why we need love so desperately and why humans run around running after love in all the wrong places like the song, because we're starved for it, because we need it. That's how God created us. But he's love. And he's supposed to be the one that fulfills that. But until we can know that and see that and understand that, we go in the wrong places. I am on a mission to share that love with people, to open people's eyes to trauma and to deal with that invisible, involuntary wound that is stripping people of their sense of value, stripping people of their sense of worth, stripping them of their sense of self. God loves our self. I was raised with such a negative view of self with the scriptures mangled in there about taking up your cross and dying and you needed to kill yourself. But it confused me because if I kill myself, then who did Jesus die for? And there's the difference between the soul and the ego, the flesh and the soul that Jesus came to save and redeem, the one, the part of us that needs to be healed and renewed and grow and become one with the Father and one in love with the Holy Trinity that loves us so dearly that Jesus would put on a human body and trap himself inside a little human body. I mean, the eternal God of all the universe put himself inside a human body because he wants us to know that he understands and he loves us. He gets us. He loves us. And he wants us to know that. And he wants us to love him back. But we can't do that until we know he loved us first. There's the command to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and all our strength. And we are incapable of doing that apart from knowing he loved us first. When we look back at that young girl who is part of a church and wanting very much to belong, we know that the scriptures were the same back then as they are now. And those scriptures told you that God loved you unconditionally. And yet there were traumas. There were things that were happening in your life that stopped you from believing that, that actually created ruts in your mind that said, no, no, this is, this is how life really is. I imagine that if we're going to overcome that trauma, the first thing we need to do is actually recognize it, recognize the wrong thinking, recognize the things that have happened before we can actually become free in, in the way that you are describing here. Is, is that the way that we need to begin? Partially. I'd like to read a quote from my book. How this has resonated with people around the world 
is what has led me to what I do today. And it says, trauma is personal. It does not disappear if it is not validated. When it is ignored or invalidated, the silent screams continue, internally heard only by the one held captive. When someone enters the pain and hears the screams, healing can begin. For trauma to heal, it has to be validated. It has to be validated, it has to be seen, has to be recognized, because you can't do anything about something you won't see, something that you won't look at it. It has to be seen. The subtitle of my book is A True Story of Lies, Pain, and The Love That Heals. And the love, love is in capitals because it's referring to God who is called the pursuer in my book. But in that book, I talk about the lies and unpacking the lies. I talk about how those lies were built. There's a subtitle in there, Building the Darkness. Lies, 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 building the darkness. It built a fortress of darkness. The lies did. And Jesus is the truth. And he had to unpack them. He had to unravel them. It's like my insides were like tangled up Christmas lights. People understand that. You get those. Sometimes people will just throw them away because it's too frustrating to try and undo them and they break and you can't do it and they're still twisted and I did this and they're still bad. But God won't give up on you. God did not give up on me. He will untwist it. You bring your heart to him. He will untwist it. He will take you to those scriptures. He will unveil them. He will show you what is true. However, he has to go about it through people, through songs, through whatever means. When you bring your heart to him in real and in truth, he will take it from there. All he wants is your heart in spirit and in truth. Bring your heart and spirit and in truth, and he will take it from there. He will unpack those lies. He will untwist those things, and he will build the truth in your soul so that you can know him and be united with him. It says in the book of Thessalonians, it talks about loving the truth. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to love the truth, and that is what I seek to do, and that's how we get free is through little by little, the truth, upending the lies and bringing us into the light, the true light of God. I'm sure that there are people listening who think that sounds amazing. I would love to be freed from the lies. I'd love to be freed from the trauma, to know how to stare that trauma in the face, to to recognize it, to validate it, and to be able to deny those lies and, and move on. But they're not quite sure how to do that. Thankfully, you're actually helping people do that. Tell me some of the ways in which you're doing that when you're using the internet as a tool to reach out to people. What does that look like for you? I have my books. I do coaching. I do speaking. I have six workshops that I do. My book is a great tool. It's wonderful. But I need process. People need process to go from one thing to the next to the next. They need something very clear and concise. And he revealed to me how he took me through the process, which I use the term self for, which stands for see, which is for awareness, expose, which is looking underneath for the cause and the core, L, which is for love. That's where we get our value and our courage 
to do F, which is free, which is the action step of what to do, because freedom doesn't just happen to us. Freedom has to be taken. Jesus bought our freedom. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. But saying the prayer of faith to be born again does not make your life perfect. So I take people through that self-process in my coaching, and it's done over and over and over again because you do it in layers. Trauma happens in layers. Healing happens in layers. So that's how I help people through my podcasts. Also, I interview people from around the world to tell their victory stories of things they've been through and then how they took ownership of their life to take responsibility and ownership. Because when you own something, you, you take hold of it which with much more of your whole self. Responsibility, people can put that on someone, but you can't put ownership on someone. I help people take ownership of their self, of all the different aspects of their life, so they can live the life that Jesus bought and paid for, for them. And it's a process. Like I said, I did I do coaching, speaking, these workshops. I have books and I have my podcasts, many free resources at my website also, People can watch me. People can listen to me. They can consume all of my free content to get to a place that, oh, I've heard enough. I'm ready to take a step now. God is so good. And he, if you want to get healing, just ask him and he will show you the way. But he will, he will provide for you things. If you will, are willing to cooperate with him, he will provide for you whatever you need. That's why I'm out there with all these things, supplying things I could not find before. I will put links in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can easily find you, find your books, find your resources, uh, find the Victoria Souls podcast. Danielle, I, I want to thank you for sharing some of the journey that you've been on. I know that it runs deep with you, but that you deeply want to see healing for others as well, which is why you do what you do. So thank you so much for sharing that time on Bleeding Daylight today. Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.